Hi, everybody. Hello. Hi there. My name's Alexandra. I'm Angelica. I'm Amy. We are the Procaffeinators. Welcome to our podcast. Where we talk about interesting topics that one would talk about over a, a cup, cup of, of coffee. coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you sit back, relax, join us with a nice hot cup, cold cup, whatever caffeinated beverage you desire, and join us in our conversation today. Everything we talk about is based off of our opinion, and these are just fun topics that we find interesting. If you have any topics you would like to send in, you can go to www.thepercaffeinatorspodcast.com and write them into us. Where you can spill the beans. Spill the beans. Yes. And as educators, mm-hmm. we love to educate. So if you want to learn about something, let us know. Spill the beans. Yeah. Maybe when you're drinking some coffee, you can think about some ideas. It'll yeah. stimulate that yeah. beautiful brain of yours. When you're going crazy writing notes about everything you have to do, write in a note oh, about... That's you. That's, that, that would be, that would be no solely an angelic. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> it's only me. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Anywho, today's topic I really am super excited about because I know a little bit of it. You guys are very well versed on it and I think it's really interesting and it's kind of a twist on how people can figure things out, don't you think? Mm-hmm. I'm and, excited about today's topic. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Let's hear about it. Let's so hear about it. it is called Dungeons and Dragons. Whoa! I'm so excited. Me and too. It is. It's nice. So I'm going to tell you the story of how I was first introduced to Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to tell you a little bit of history. And then I'm going to let you guys, because you both are really good at it, um, you know, kind of share how you feel about what I think. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So um, when I was teaching at the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale, and Mm -hmm. that was like 1997, I was introduced, I was teaching a communications class. And my students had to do a presentation and one student came up to me and said, you know, professor, do you mind if I do something like a game called Dungeons and Dragons? And I hesitated because back then Dungeons and Dragons was like a cult. It was something Mm. like that was the perception. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was like, oh, don't let your kids play Dungeons and Dragons. It's like a bad cult. And I said, sure. And only because. I really believe that all the students, I had one who was doing tattooing and stuff like that. So I really wanted to inspire the students to provide a good presentation. Walks into the class. He has this black cape on. And I'm like, oh, we're going dark. It is, uh, you know, validating all my fears of that it's a cult. <laughs> so I'm sitting at the back of the room and they start playing. And there's four mm-hmm. people playing. And he's what you guys call a dungeon master. Yes. yes. Okay. So you guys can help everyone with the terminology back, you know, as we go on. So they start playing the game. And I'm, I'm sitting in the back of the room going, I want to play. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really want to play. This is fun. This is not. This isn't dark. a cult at all. This is like <laughs> pretend. Yeah. And so I don't know what happened, but it got to the point that he goes, "Oh, professor, you want to join us on this piece?" So he did little versions of, you know, very short pieces. Nice one shots. Yeah. Okay. Good. Called. So yeah. that's called one shots. And uh, I said, sure. And uh, we started playing, and it was really exciting. And what I remember of it, I'm going to tell you, it was something about a cave, that we were all in a cave. And again, you guys are the experts, so you can understand. And we were trying to get out of the cave, and I was supposed to be a vampire. 
cool. Okay. <laughs> so he goes, well, how do you get out of the cage? You can't. I go, I'll become a mosquito. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to my mind. Uh-huh. So I did. And, you know, the game went on and it was, it wasn't completed. It was just like short versions, like I said. So I remember thinking that was so much fun. And then I remember thinking, how great to be able to use this for families that don't get along or kids with issues Mm -hmm. to help them feel secure in a situation that is fun. There's really no judgment. And you, you have to tell me that because I never experienced uh, any judgment in any of the times that I played. So that was my taste of it. I loved it. I loved playing it. And then I never heard of it again. Like it just Uh went away. And then all of a sudden you guys are going, Oh, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons with, a group from Nova, right. and one of them was Dan. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, oh, wait, I used to play that. You know, so that got it going again, and that was more and more I started getting interesting, interested in watching you all play. And then Dan, that New Year's Eve that I think what, we were up until 4 o'clock in the yes. morning. Yes. <laughs> uh, we played a short version. The of, one shot. The one shot. And... Uh, we had a great time and it was a lot of fun and and Dan's a great dungeon master. Oh yeah. And then later um Steph and Laz, Laz who was great too and he explains oh, yeah. it well too. They're both great educators at explaining the game. Mm-hmm. You know, Laz was really very specific. I don't know, I've never played with Laz, but I'm, you know, No, something. yeah, he's very he's very organized. Yeah, yeah, very. So, uh and so was Dan. You know, Dan gives you all this information. So, it was it was fun. So it that continued to just stay in my head because as this is improv kind of kept on growing. Mm-hmm. One of the th- things that I always said is, you know, improv helps so many people with their insecurities. And you right. all uh, have really led the platform for that. But then you take a look at Dungeons and Dragons, which is a form of improv yeah. uh, to me. Uh, and uh, then you, you allow someone to just be who they want to be at that time. Exactly. And I think it's one huge component in helping kids, not only with social skills, with mm-hmm. anxiety, with stress, helping corporate teams mm-hmm. uh, lead a lot of specific goals so, uh, you know, I'm all for it. So now I'm interested. So now you know how passionate I am I'm in the, <laughs> yeah. the mind. And, and I have to go back to say when uh, Gestalt Therapy used right. a lot of role playing, mm-hmm. right? So that was Fritz Pearl. And it didn't, I hated it. I hated it in undergrad. I hated it in... in <laughs> she told me when I was yeah. asked her, I go, I love Gestalt Therapy. It's I like hated improv. It. <laughs> well, she... but it wasn't because you have... Um, a person sitting in front of another person and role playing mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with another person. And it's a very strict, oh, this is your father. You had issues with your father. Pretend that I'm your father and talk to me about it. Oh. Mm-hmm. That puts you in a very scary situation. I okay. think. So I would compare that more to the method than to traditional theater practice. Right. So that is more the method pretending that this is actual rather than fiction. Right. And where whereas the way I see Dungeons and Dragons in my head on a situation like that is okay, you know what? We're going to play a game and the characters may be similar to your life situations mm-hmm. 
and let's see how we work this problem right. out, right? So that to me becomes very beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Very beautiful. So Dungeons and Dragons started in 1974. It was created by Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson. Mm-hmm. And, but it didn't really become popular until the 1980s. Right. And then, of course, the 1990s. And um, later on, because of the Big Bang Theory and certain shows, it uh-huh. really got popular. But now it became popular because of Stranger Things right. now oh. on Netflix. Oh, wow. And yeah, because that's that's the opening scene of season one and the opening, I think it's the opening scene of season two, too. Yeah, they were yeah. playing exactly yeah. the kids. Mm-hmm. And then also comedians were very big on that. Robin Williams was extremely yeah. huge. He loved Dungeons and Dragons, which makes total sense. Right. He was and, also into Zelda. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That's <laughs> funny. And then you turn around and you take a look at, I know the, the, um, the rock is big on well, Dungeons and I Dragons. Well, I think he's big on it because Joe Magnello, Maganello. Right, yeah, he's like, really big on he it. He has a, his own brand now. Right, right, and I think that's fascinating. But I think it totally makes sense because again, one of the it attracts a lot of people in theater. Mm-hmm. But how great to make that connection because I love theater when it comes to therapy because mm-hmm. I think that we understand how community works through mm-hmm. theater mm-hmm. and that's my takeaway in leadership so there's so many pieces that i love you know leadership the therapeutic process the way the mind works working together as a team working with humans and understanding humans and respecting yeah. humans right. so i feel like it's i feel like and this is an extreme but i feel like it's kind of similar to like the art of tattooing so They've made this thing that used to be cult-ish mainstream, mm-hmm. uh-huh. which now tattoos are very mainstream because a lot of people in pop culture have them. So, right. so the art is now a lot more respected. That's that's kind of like what I saw that it that it was seen as something that was demon children do that thing <laughs> right, you know? right so right. to give you background on why it was viewed as evil mm-hmm. uh i actually listened to a podcast by parcast called cults and they explained briefly the satanic panic so the dungeons and dragons game was affected by the satanic panic which occurred in the 1980s and the whole concept there was that satanism was taking up and taking followers and people were being influenced by satan to do evil deeds which Mm -hmm. if you look at the night stalker in california and the rise of serial killers and um the exorcist movies like there's this frame of mind in people that satan is becoming a bigger power then there was a guy and his name was i forgot his last name but his first name is sean something and he he was a bad egg and he apparently was very into satanism but he was also into dungeons and dragons oh yeah i've heard of him and he would paint his nails black and he wore black capes and he did everything that people think of dungeons and dragons and metal music now he was gone exactly (laughs) but he gave them a bad name because he killed people and Mm -hmm. you know so he went to jail and later he said that this was just a phase that I went through and then he converted back to Christianity or Catholicism, I don't know which. And 
then that was over then it was taken as oh this is just something that he liked doing it's not associated with satanism yeah i think it's good that he came out and said that (laughs) because in all honesty it's like why are you blaming the game for the kid the one kid that the exactly the one time someone plays D and the one person that does something bad about it. Yeah. Right. So something that Dan introduced me to and introduced Andrew to was uh, Critical Role, <laughs> and yeah. Critical Role is absolutely incredible because it does really promote the idea of love and everyone's together and you know like we we're all part of building this greater story and greater adventure. But Matthew Mercer, who's the dungeon master, by the way, dungeon master means that you run the game. So you can either write the game, create it, Mm -hmm. or you go based off of a book and you lead your players through the story. Basically, you're like the um, elementary school teacher that helps the students stay on lesson plan. (laughs) And lately, some people have been changing the title to game master yeah because i guess it's it's a, it's a little pc a little more pc yeah uh but you know it's either or dungeon master and matthew mercer takes on that persona of i wear black nail polish i'm against the satanism leather cops yeah this bad fix to dungeons and dragons because he's been playing since the 80s i believe mm-hmm. so he he knows you know what it is to hide away his love for the game from people who might not understand it but mm-hmm. he understands the beauty that can come from it and the beauty is is that you have to work together to solve a problem right, right. and you all work together with a different skill set none of you or you know like depending on how you play the game you're not going to all be the same yeah. and something that's interesting is that the uh, with improv and Viola Spolin. Viola Spolin had the same concept, mm-hmm. right? So she created games so that people could work together to solve the games. And that's what essentially improv is. You're on you're on the stage playing a game and you have to work together. And the game is not over until you've worked together to solve the problem. Right. So she had something called a focus. So there is a focus within everything she created. And when you do um, like a one shot in Dungeons and Dragons, maybe your focus is you all hate each other, but you have to work together Mm -hmm. Um, or that you will die at the end of this or, you know, like there, there is a focus to the game. You all are in a place where they don't know what a dragonborn looks like. They've never met one. So you have to deal with that struggle throughout the whole game. So with the focus, there comes a certain teamwork and a goal. Mm -hmm. So with your focus and goal, you have to do everything according to your character. So you're not allowed to derail from the character in a sense. You know, everyone has personalities that change through time. There's character development. Mm -hmm. But you must stick to your original kind of game plan, which is like Uta Hagen. Uta Hagen is, uh, for those of you that don't know, is a, she was a, an amazing actress and she was a teacher and she has her six steps and those are character development steps so setting where are you where you're born what are your goals what is what's going on in the scene prior before and now um and you do that you you create your character Mm -hmm. what species class what are you uh good chaotic neutral just plain old chaotic um you know you you 
you become someone else. And in Critical Role, I love watching it because it's all voice actors. Yeah. So they not only play the game, but they immerse themselves in the game and they have, um, they really make the personality of the game come alive. So it's really entertaining to listen to them as well, which I think helped make it become mainstream. Yeah, and people are seeing the correlation so much that they've actually come to This Is Improv for Dungeons & Dragons training to improve their game. Yeah, which which is pretty cool because so many things correlate as far as working together. Mm -hmm. You have to work on listening skills. Um, You have to work on adaptation if you're the dungeon master. You know, not oh, everything's yeah. going to go to plan. <laughs> no, it is not. Because you have your you have your players, mm-hmm. and they have their own idea of how they want to play. Everyone has their own idea, and then you're working with a vast <laughs> variety of characters, personality, exactly. And that's what I love. I mean, when I listen to you all talk about that, to me, that is such a huge piece of helping humans become the best humans they can right because you have this dungeon master who basically creates a story right right and then you have all these characters that come into the story right life and you (laughs) turn around and you here's this again dungeon master who's saying well this is how the story is going but everybody's going to bring something and Mm -hmm. i have to figure out leadership Mm -hmm. you know so you got leadership and then you have the characters And the characters have to not only, like you said, you know, you're working as a community, but I have to trust you. Right. So trust, which is one of our biggest fears of can I trust Uh you? Now I'm going to learn a little bit about myself through this role playing. Exactly. And the beauty of it is that I can trust you. Mm-hmm. For this moment in time, and I know those games are long, so uh, you know yeah. what I'm saying this moment yeah. in time, that's even a added value mm-hmm. because you continuously validate that you can trust people. Mm-hmm. And at the end, you can trust them because you're part of a community that understands you. Right. And that's not to say, too, that like I've had a game where it was one guy was just not Yeah, there's something called a a murder hobo. Yes. So murder hobos are people that just kill randomly and they don't really pay attention to how it can help or hurt the game. Right. Oh, wow. So you, you know, we always say. Life. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So, you know, we always say at the top of the game, it's like, don't be a murder hobo. That's a rule. Yeah. Don't do that. Also, don't separate from the team. So you, it, those are like the two main things, you know, you don't separate and don't be a murder hobo. So and don't be a jerk. what happens when... And when they are a murder hobo, what happens is that now life is harder for you as the murder hobo because your team doesn't always want to assist or they try at first to assist and be like, no, you don't have to kill people anymore. Be, come right. to the light. So it's kind of cool because, again, like what you're saying, it's learning how to acclimate to a new culture i guess or a new group of people mm-hmm. because you know you're in this culture where they're not all mur- murder hobos they're going to be mad at you yeah. so either you adhere to that or you hurt the party and they're all yeah. going to be mad at you and as the party you learn how to di- deal with difficult situations and difficult people like how do you deal with a person in your party that's supposed to be on your team but 
they're not working for your better interest? Do you tell them to roll again to start as a new character because it's just not working with their character that they've built? Do you tell them, yeah. uh, listen, you're going, you know, almost like an, a murder hobo intervention. Like, oh, listen, wow. do, yeah, we can't do this anymore. Can you change? Because we're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> we've also taught like walking with the person saying okay in this situation you can't do that and you know so it tells you or it shows you different problem solving skills how to deal with that difficult person and or we say all right well uh we choose to not heal murder hobo number one and then they have to roll a new character (laughs) exactly (laughs) there's a fun book called critical failures and Mm -hmm. actually because one character murders someone without caring they were playing um half orc uh and which not all half orcs have to be violent no they don't i play a half orc that is very scared of of life (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh, (laughs) we won't go there we won't go there (laughs) so this half orc he killed one of the guards and this is not spoiling because it's in the beginning of the book so this causes a series of events that negatively affect the rest of the domino effect yeah so by killing the guard you're notifying the rest of the city that you're essentially a threat so your entire Mm -hmm. party cannot enter the city because they've all been seen with you the man orc half man half orc who has murdered the guard who has done nothing other than say you can't come in yeah that's the that's another part of it is that you have to learn how to cooperate with characters that your dm has created for you exactly so these are characters that are townspeople and Mm -hmm. they have their own personalities so you have to either convince them to work with you like you can even convince monsters to work with you to a point or if um because i always try to make a friend right you always try to make a friend so that they work in your benefit and then sometimes there's trees and there's trees that are spiritual trees that you could talk to or not talk to or animals and it's like, I want to talk to that snake. And then the DM's like, he just hisses at you and strikes again. And it's like, oh, man, I guess I have to kill it now. Like, you know, you try you try to do that so that you can maybe find something new that the DM hid in there. Right. Which I think is also really cool that they create this world for you. Even if it's assisted, they're creating the world for you and assisting you to walk through this world. And you turn in your character sheets before the game. Mm-hmm. So he or she is customizing it to your character, which is like, how are they coming up with this stuff? Yeah. And we were lucky. We had really good DMs. We, Dan and Laz were incredible and incredible of building that story for us. Mm-hmm. But what I think is really cool with games, simulation games, so Gestalt, Gestalt I guess, and with Dungeons and Dragons and with most games is that and doing more research in games and play is that people are able to fail in a low-risk environment or they're able to try new things in a low-risk environment. So first, they're more willing to take the risk, like, let's try to pet the snake. And me. <laughs> uh, they're more likely to, you know, try to problem-solve, like, solve a puzzle or talk to someone in a bar because they need information, whereas mm-hmm. in real life, they might not be so willing to go up to someone just to say, hey, uh, do you know a good local restaurant? Just for that. Yeah. You know, like, people have trouble with that. But in Dungeons & Dragons, it kind of takes away that fear of, 
they're going to look at me funny. Oh, I'm not supposed to do this. Because most of the action takes place at a tavern. So as a player, you know, hey, I, I should talk to everyone at the tavern to see what to do next. Yes. Do you find that um, going back to your dungeon master and saying, I want to pet the snake. Yeah. And him or her saying, that's a bad idea. Right? Yeah. Um, do you... Sometimes they say that blatantly. <laughs> right so they you know obviously in other words they they mentor you yeah yeah oh yeah and so they're so what you... they're what i like to call in theater the god of the scene so like i compare the narrator them... yeah. yeah so you give them that role of like they can either ruin you or they can help you with everything so that's a good point i mean that wasn't the question i was going to ask but that brings me to think so he's he's your mentor let's just say mm-hmm. right uh, can he lead you purposely in the wrong direction? Yeah. Yes. And why would he do that? Self-satisfaction. Some DMs enjoy killing their party. So just like you could mm-hmm. have bad players, you could have a da- bad DM. Right. Um, I love, I you know, the more I, I learn about Dungeons & Dragons, the more I love it because... Mm-hmm. I remember when you guys were young and if you had an issue with maybe a school teacher or Mm -hmm. someone, you know, and uh, it was the conversation would always go like this. Well, this is how you would be in real life. Managers, bosses, people, you know, you're going to have to work with people that may not have your best interests in mind. Right. And it's, again, another life lesson, because Mm -hmm. if you have you're in a group and you have a, a DM, which I, I would purposely set someone up like that and say, mm-hmm. okay, you know, let's say if I had Laz or, or, or Dan running the show, mm-hmm. I would turn around and say, I want you to sabotage them <laughs> and yeah. see what happens because how do these players act? Mm-hmm. And that's where persona comes out. It's so beautiful because what I saw was I saw the, the student that was so shy all of a sudden was incredibly devious and (laughs) it was like whoa I wish he would do that in class because Uh that would really but he was felt so safe that he could do that so I love when I love that fact I didn't know that DMs could be mean basically (laughs) oh yeah but I love that fact in a controlled environment Mm -hmm. because then you would turn around and allow you would allow the players to turn around and say, okay, let me see how this one's going to work. And when I'm dealing with social skills, especially when I think of young kids in middle school mm-hmm. and young, uh, you know, my 14 year olds and my 16 year olds in high school, those are the ones that really don't know how to uh, juggle the new environment. Mm-hmm. Right. And putting them in an environment like this to me, it's like, here's a bully, mm-hmm. and how do you outsmart that bully? Yeah. So, and, and now you get to practice in a safe environment. So the book, again, that I'm reading, Critical Failures, it kind of works to that, right? So having a DM that has a different perspective of how the game is supposed to run compared to what you're used to. So in Critical Failure, the book begins by... This group of guys who likes to get together and play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, But this time they hire a DM from Craigslist. (laughs) Okay, that's scary. Right? 
So they're used to just messing around and playing however they want, you know, like, oh, let's be a character and let's mess stuff up. Oh, I'm an elf. I can shoot arrows now, you know, and that's where the murder hobo environment comes from, right? Like they, they just play to have fun with no rules, no, no way of, you know, failing, you know, it's an escape from life. But then the DM comes in. And the DM is incredibly into Dungeons and Dragons. And he's incredibly into role play. So everything that he does and everything that he creates is on book. And if if you didn't know, Dungeons and Dragons is a book. Mm-hmm. So They're it, on the fifth edition. Mm-hmm. So it's a published book or books of rules, and there are a canon. There, there is a canon, and there is a, a novel series as well, mm-hmm. or a novel series. What's a canon? So canon means that it's the world's rules. Oh, gotcha. Anything that's canon, it, it's part of the story world's history. So he's very into it, this dungeon master. So when the players play the game, and they just play as they normally have been playing, he always gets upset and he always gives them consequences for that. Mm-hmm. And the consequences eventually become really real. Obviously, I want you all to read this book. Don't so, give too much away. <laughs> I, well, I'm not. So the consequences become very real. And it goes to say that you could be put into a game or you can be put into an environment where you and your group of friends might be used to being one way, but you have to adhere to someone else's, your dungeon master's role at that moment to survive in this new story world or this new environment. And it's hard and you might not like it, but as soon as it's completed, then you can go back to the way things were. Or maybe appreciate different things you didn't appreciate before. Yeah, or learn different techniques on how to live life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I do want to say that the the best part to me about Dungeons and Dragons is not only you know working together and you know having a blast creating these characters, all this stuff, but the fact that you have to create this character right. It can be a totally random personality styled character so your Mm -hmm. charisma all of that stuff you can roll for that so you don't have control of that which is when you're born you don't have control about how you're gonna be in the world really you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's like this is who i am oops and that's what you do with the game or you can do you know a different style of that and distribute the points differently but you you have this. This is who you are. You've created your entire background now. Mm-hmm. Well, are you are you good? Are you neutral? Are you chaotic? What are you, right? That's standing in the world. Then you have strengths and you have weaknesses. And you can't defer from those. Mm-hmm. And those weaknesses hinder you in the game. And the DM makes sure that your weaknesses and your strengths are highlighted with each character throughout the game. So they, if you're... Uh, a uh, natural born enemy is the undead. So any undead you see, you have to kill them or yeah. you do not trust them. Even if they're trying to help you, it doesn't yeah. matter. That's your problem. And your team has to help you with that problem. Exactly. And maybe there's uh, uh, someone on the team and they do a spell of um, 
like a hallucination spell mm-hmm. and you don't see them as undead anymore yeah. like they have to they have to problem solve because this person's going to help them solve the problem and it teaches you empathy right because yeah. for example my character it's the scaredy cat uh half yeah. yeah um and i styled her after piglet a little bit and it was so frustrating because I, I like playing role-playing games. And part of role-playing games is, like, just push forward. Just, you know, like, let's fight the enemies. Let's explore this area. But I couldn't because she literally was scared of everything. Mm-hmm. And she's a tank, so she should be able to go forward. So a tank is strong. Mm-hmm. And they should be able to protect the rest of the team as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they usually go ahead. So it it became frustrating for me and I could tell it was becoming frustrating for the group, but we negotiated different ways to make me move forward. Yeah. And we learned as the story progressed, we learned different ways and like Dan's character who is a, a jinn learned how to like her triggers. Yeah. So like <laughs> what's going to help her? What's going to make her go berserk? Oh, here are some keywords to help her go berserk, which no one else in the group knows except for him, except for his character, Steve. So you have to like, which is funny because technically we all know everything in a way, but in game, you're not allowed to use that to your advantage. You have to, you know, go with the game, pretend like you don't know what they just heard, even though you just heard the DM say it. And again, that to me is fascinating Mm -hmm. because how many times do you tell someone Okay, this is confidential. Right. Right. And then you're in the middle of a meeting or a group and they tend, it slips. Right. We'll, we'll just say that, that mm-hmm. it slips, you know, uh, because sometimes there is no consequence to the game, mm-hmm. but here there's a consequence, Huge. you know. So you, you again learn so much technique because that's what you're really learning. Mm-hmm. You're lear- learning technique that is incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that, you know, there's simplistic ways of playing the game to help with anxiety and stress management and, and all that. But I think, uh, and I think therapists have picked this up, but I think mm-hmm. it's really important to get the professionals who are uh, really into it to do those little of processes that you're talking about because it's incredible i mean that's that's a lot of self-control oh yeah yeah and what's cool too is you're being placed in um the role of someone else right Mm -hmm. because maybe you created this character and they're not your norm and there's some pretty cool research on avatars and gaming and Uh, therapy and gaming and how it can build empathy to not be able to make certain moves or to have to make certain moves to make things happen and you know how uh, people can learn to understand mental health issues based off of what an avatar is already built with and what the player can move with what they're capable of doing so yeah, it's pretty cool. There's so much that Dungeons and Dragons can do. And what's really cool too is a lot of role-playing games that are done digitally are based off of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's why it's so fun to play in a sense. Because, you know, yeah, we're talking about personality. We're talking about um, life choices. And, right. you know, we're talking about that side of the whole thing. But 
it's just a really fun way to kind of get out of your head and get into someone else's and solve their problems for a while and mm-hmm. deal with like that. Like, let's go find the dragon skull today. You know, yeah. let's have a blast, take a stroll, exactly. cross the bridge, fight some things, have a fun time. Yeah. And it's cool too because going back to the dungeon masters, like, you can tell Dan and Laz are really into blowing stuff up and like yeah. making it hard for people, yeah. <laughs> and they think that's fun. But because they want us to have fun, they've made it so that we can socialize with more people. Like it's yeah. more of a social game with the villagers and stuff. Yeah, and because I definitely am a, a map person, so I am a, an explorer, <laughs> and I need to go in every darn room in that house because normally. You, like, you go into a room, you search, perception check, what's going on, is there a history check on any of the items, anything look weird, and then you leave, right? No. I like to really look at everything, and I go, this mirror looks weird, can I roll for perception? And Laz is like, again? And I was like, yeah, because yeah. I don't believe you the first time, so I want to roll again, and then I... I do that, which also is in accordance to my character who doesn't trust people, mm-hmm. so... You have to think of all those things. And Laz at some point was like, I actually had to make up characters as you guys were going through some of the games because there's no backstory on them, but you kept asking questions. (laughs) Or like for me, there's this guy who's a little evil, but I was determined to make him my buddy. Yeah, now you guys are close. Now we're best friends in the game. He's supposed to be evil, but not anymore. (laughs) Right. And, And that's the fun thing about it. I mean... You know, without a doubt, there's an element of fun and play. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as you guys play, you know, and, and plus you all, let's add to that, you all have known each other for so long right. yeah. that it you feel safe. Yeah, right. So so there's that wonderful element of play. Talk about stress relief. Yeah, definitely. You guys can just let it go. Well, we know? play it's for like... sessions that are about four to five hours at yeah. a right. time. Yeah. Right, So, I mean, you, you sit there and it's like you disappear, and but then you walk back and you're exhausted but happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've never seen you, either one of you, come back saying, oh, my God, uh, it was just so stressful. I couldn't handle it. You know? No, it's more <laughs> like, oh, my God, I didn't get the crystal. Right, exactly, exactly. (laughs) So that's the element of just playing a game, which is great. But my passion, obviously, is the fact that there's so much potential. And even when I've watched you all play, you can see the look on your eyes. I know you guys don't like to play apples to apples with me because you Because you know what cards we'll pick, you little (laughs) cheater with a degree. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's your faces. You guys do not have poker faces. <laughs> and so, and it's funny because your Terrible. dad, you know, he always tries to be the poker face. And it's like. Yeah, but his just, fo- poker face looks like well, he's it's devious. It's, it's very devious. So it's has a little smirk. Yeah, so it's it's kind of hard. But when it comes to this, it's the exact same thing. When I, I've watched you all play when you were playing here. Yeah. And it, it's. It's funny to see everyone's look on their face and and the the mind just going, going, right. going. And I think that's what a great exercise of continuously practicing. Yeah. Right. Uh, but at, at the end, the outcome, no matter what the answer is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as a mental health person, I want to take a look and make sure that you walk away with something positive Mm -hmm. 
even if, like you said, you were uh, scared and you were supposed to, you know, you're kind of channeling Piglet. Right. And, uh, but at the end of the day, you probably found out things that worked because either your DM told you or you just had to figure it out. Right. And then you were like, wow, you know what? This really worked. Maybe I'll use it yeah. in real life, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And I think that that's fascinating about the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really fun. I mean, for me, it taught me like, oh, games, games are games. This is all it is. It's a game <laughs> kind of thing. Because, you know, from since I had never played it and it was kind of like a role play kind of thing. I was like, oh my God, I have to be in my character. Like, I have to be so particular about things. Then as you keep playing, it's like, eh, I can leeway this a little bit. And actually, one of of my favorite things is convincing the DM of something. So he'll either say, roll for it, or tell me why I should let you do this. That should be interesting to watch. Yeah. It's really fun. One of my favorite things about starting to play was actually playing with other people because I played so many single player games. Yeah. And when you play MMOs too, it tends to be like, oh, What's an MMO? An MMO is a massively multiplayer online game. Yeah. And you can say MMORPG, which is massive multiplayer online art role-playing game, game. yeah <laughs> sorry it's a mouthful anyway that's why you abbreviate no. um but you play online and usually it, you're given a quest and you know it's in a list format and like world of warcraft exactly so it, it's just like you need this to get experience point and then you know you need this to get ex- you grind and then you hit the level you need to accomplish a goal mm-hmm. but with this it's so much more you have to really connect with the other characters in order to solve the problems which was a level of connection with multiplayer that i've never had before so that was pretty cool it, it was like a different level to playing yeah and i think it's i the only way I was comparing it was like oh my gosh it's like I'm playing a board game but like but like everyone's here like we are the pieces (laughs) and then it's the same thing like oh it's like if we were playing a video game but like video game in real life right you have to imagine a lot which is which is what life is I mean life is a game that you're playing and there's rules and there's a goal there's a focus it's the matrix it is the matrix it is it is it's funny because I don't like board games no you don't no we know this we I despise (laughs) them Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm can't stand them but you did pretty well with your dungeons and dragons well, because I, she's I, but it's such a totally, yeah. it's it's your imagination uh-huh. <laughs> i mean you put me in the board game life and i just want to jump ship <laughs> you know i just like want a, my life to be over <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh only in the board game <laughs> so yeah. but yeah so yes so you you know monopoly oh god help me with monopoly yeah monopoly's not my favorite and um and then you know you but you do this and it's like oh wait a second yeah i feel like this is better for you because it's a role-playing game you had to create there's your a character there too. was research yeah right. and there's a purpose i know yeah. you guys gave me that my little sheet i had to fill it out right. yeah. you know it was it was interesting i had a book that you all gave me so mm-hmm. i went through the book mm-hmm. And, and then all of a sudden, you're live. You're like, oh, my God, the pages are here. You know, and it was great. And then it was like, oh, can I do... And Dan was great because I was like, can I do this? Because I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you can't. Yes, you can't. Yeah. You know, darn, I want to do this. 
And um, that was extremely cool because, it, again, it was like, okay, well, if I can't do that, how can I get to my goal mm-hmm. following the rules? Mm-hmm. Which was really cool. So um, it, it was it was great all around. I can't say enough of it because there's so many areas in life that they fit. Mm-hmm. If it's into, uh, you know, meeting new people, like you said, you mm-hmm. know, the, the fact of meeting new people. It fits into how do I play with people who come from different with different personalities, like you you said, uh, Alexander too, and then you know you turn around and you say, "Wow, life is complicated, but there's a strategy to it." Yeah, there's ways to make it fun and happen. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty good. Thank you for bringing this topic. Yeah, to this us. is fun. Yes, uh, this is a good you. one. Thank you. I was excited, and hopefully, so will the listeners and. They'll reach out and say, let's do a Dungeons and Dragons. If anyone's interested, reach out to us. And, you know, hey, you never know. That would be start so something much fun. New. And like I a do, community game. Yeah, and I do want to say that for those of you right now who don't think that you can play online, you can. There yes. are many, many, many platforms. A lot of people prefer Roll20. Uh, and Roll20 is nice just because it's got everything there. You like, can have everything miniatures. In one you can have a map. Uh, you can draw on there. Your so character sheet, keep notes, all in one place. You can even purchase full adventures on there. Mm-hmm. I'm learning how to DM now, so I'm learning the ins and outs of Roll20. And if you don't feel comfortable building your own adventure yet, you can purchase an adventure. And mm-hmm. it's Where do you purchase it? You can purchase it through Roll20's shop. Oh, cool. Or if you feel comfortable going over Zoom and playing with your friends over Zoom, yeah. you can, or just hoarding books for when things are back to mm-hmm. normal, uh, you can buy the books on Amazon or through, well, yeah, through Amazon. Just don't, really don't wear the, the black cape. Uh, the, if um, you if you, you can wear the cape, you can LARP. <laughs> wear the cape. What's LARP mean? Live action role play. Oh well, we have enough wigs in this house. That, <laughs> that you guys could probably do a good job with that. But no, no, no black cape for me. Oh no. <laughs> uh, well, thank you guys for sticking with us until the end of the podcast. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate the new listeners that have come in and. And if you have a suggestion, you can either message us through our social medias. It's The Procrastinators Podcast on Instagram and on Facebook. Or you can go to www.theprocrastinatorspodcast.com. Scroll on down to the Smiley Face Coffee Cup because he would love for you to spill the beans on what you want to listen to next. Yes. Thanks for listening. My name is Alexandra. I'm Angelica. I'm Amy. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.